This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, close season, episode number four, on top of um, four season review shows. So we have put the legwork in, and a man who has put the legwork in, safely back from Russia after being held hostage by the KGB, Joe Fares. How you doing, Joe? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ben. After my um, examination by the KGB. <laughs> How's your butthole? <laughs> it's not going to respond Joe you're wearing, ye- you're wearing yellow it is an Ipswich Town goalkeeper shirt in recognition of Bartosz Białkowski signing his contract today He is so he, it should be accepted he is top of my list but we just need to call David Diamond out I've just spoken to David Diamond on the phone who was booked on this podcast he's on holiday in the southwest um, somewhere um, you go into your cottage and you book a week's internet which he booked, it's run out and the person in reception's knocked off for the day. So David <laughs> Diamond has got no internet. I know his feelings on something. And Mikey Penty Smith is um, in some rap party in Russia somewhere with some with some French people or something. So he's swanning it. So Joe, you've got all the glory. Statman's probably in the stat cave concocting something or other. So you've got all the glory. But you've already mentioned Bartosz Bielkowski. Um, he went to the World Cup. Had some time off. His agent told Birmingham he hadn't signed a deal yet. They made a couple of bids for him. And we've signed him to a three-year deal, the kind of standard Marcus Evans deal, with a um, one-year option at the end of the deal. Um, The Sun, the hugely reliable Sun, reported that it was going to be 20 grand a week. And a few of us raised some eyebrows. Um, TWTD refutes this completely. But apparently it's more than David McGoldrick was getting and he will be the the top paid player there um talk to me about about the sign and talk to me has this got extra significance 
bearing in mind we're used to having the best players sold. Talk talk to me about um about the signing and the the kind of wider context of Evans actually doing this. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a really really good bit of news for his town fans to have Bart signed up for another three years. He he's thirty one now, so he's, he's going into sort of the, the latter end of his career, and we, we're not just sort of getting rid or cashing in when there's decent money on the table it seems um marcus evans has come out and made a statement about it and he so he seems to be more visible with it and it's a real show of intent and a real good bit of backing for both the club and paul hurst do you not think um to play devil's advocate is there a sense of well evans can't really lose because if he spends the money he can still sell next year for a, for a bigger profit or do you think his intentions are genuinely long-term for the betterment of the team? Um, you, you obviously have to look after your assets. You have to, you have to protect, the, protect the assets and keep them on long contracts and Bart only had one year to run. But I'd say if, if it is anywhere near that 20,000, if it's 15,000, you're still talking sort of the best part of a two and a half million pound investment into him. So whilst it does protect him, I, I don't expect him to leave this summer now unless there's a silly offer come in. No, no, no. Um, Moving on, first uh, friendly for Paul Hurst um, at the weekend. Um, losing 2-0 to Braintree, Hurst said, we should be able to come here and put on a better performance and win the game realistically. Credit to Braintree. I thought they did very well and certainly deserved the win. But I'm the Ipswich Town manager and I'm looking at my team and expecting a lot, lot better. Um, what is what is Hurst after in these friendlies? And... Um, is he posturing with those comments or is there, um, is there kind of some deeper significance to them? Um, he, he did sound very disappointed in the, in the style of play as much, of any, as much as anything, where he, he wants to have us playing from the back, playing through the thirds. And I, I didn't go to the game, but it sounds as though we were struggling to get on the ball. Players weren't demanding the ball until Andre Dezel came on in the second half. And whilst he did say there hasn't been much work done on tactical shape, it's, it's mostly been fitness so far. I think he did expect better than what he than what he's received, and that probably plays back to the fact that under under Mick last year, we other the, these players have been drilled to not to not play for the ball. Cole Skews has been drilled to not go and pick the ball up short. The fullbacks have been drilled to knock the ball long first time. That we haven't been drilled to play the ball out from the back, so it's gonna it's gonna be a learning curve, and there's gonna be mistakes made. But I, I do think when you looked at the team, when you looked at the bench, I know we're still missing a few players through injury. There there is a real real lack of depth in that squad. We're still four to five first teamers away from where we need to be. When do you think you'll start to see the kind of Hurst print? Do you know what I mean? Start to have, have an impact. Well, it's, it's going to take a number of sort of competitive games. I'm sure there'll be signs in some games, but there's, it will be a case of two steps forward, one steps back. I'm sure where you look like you're playing well, you have some good games, you do that. And then all of a sudden it, it won't click for a couple of games. And it's, it's, we're not just going to start the season looking like a Paul Hurst team and play like that for 46 games until the end of the year. No, absolutely. Um, Joe, I've already mentioned it. You've been over to the World Cup. Um, France won. It's all over. England came fourth. Um, you were at the semi-final. So um, give me your thoughts on, um, well, your experience of, of, of Russia and the and probably the the biggest game you've ever seen in your life um, and the wider implications how you think England did and how important it is that 
people actually care about them again and how beloved they were in the country. Um, I, I thought the the whole atmosphere was brilliant over in Russia. I, I obviously experienced it for only a few hours because my flights my flight times weren't the best. So I was I was due to land at five p.m. ahead of the nine o'clock kickoff. We stacked over Moscow Airport for an hour, so we didn't actually mm. hit the hit the sort of um, hit the deck till six p.m. So it was a real rush to get to the game. We after effectively like sixteen hours traveling, we got to the game at sort of half an hour, forty five minutes before the game kicked off. And but after the game, we we took a while to take in the city. We wandered up to Red Square and had a look around, and it was just a brilliant atmosphere. The volunteers working there—it was very like if any of the listeners went to London 2012, where the whole city just seemed in really good spirit. And from the people we spoke out there and the people you hear on the radio talking about it, the Russians have done a a fantastic job of hosting it, and it was a was a brilliant tournament. Unfortunately, England didn't get there because at half time in that game that that game looked there for the winning, looked there for the taking, really. We, we could have been two or three nil up at the time, but they came out and made changes in the second half and we didn't we didn't react to them or we reacted too slowly, which sort of I wouldn't, I'd be loath to criticise Southgate too heavily because he effectively set the team up, which should have been three nil up at half-time had Kane and Lingard put those sort of relatively easy chances away, but he, he didn't react quick enough. But he is a, he's a, the players are young and inexperienced and learning and he's a, he's a manager doing exactly the same. So, I think we'll be stronger for the tournament. Um, sort of, it's, it's important that the country is behind the football team. And it was brilliant how they were. It's, it seemed that they sort of rediscovered that, that spirit of not being big-time players, the, the social media interaction with the squad, and you sort of felt like you got to know the personalities of the team. And they, they didn't seem a real sort of I am attitude. It was a real team ethic there. So fingers crossed we continue to do well and everyone learns from this and we get some more players coming through and go from there. It's like they've kind of just got over the first generation of money coming to the Premier League and like you say, big time, rich, wealthy, famous England players. And it's, it's kind of like they're, they're over it now because the amount of times Dave said to me, oh, are you, are you, are you watching England on the pod? And I'm like, nah, don't, don't care really. I'm not bothered, just only watch Ipswich. But um, I think I'm, I think I'm pretty much back invested in it now and I think there's probably a lot of casual excuse me casual um casual England fans like me who are who are back on a train now well that's that's good here I've, I've always watched it um I, I used to travel around Europe watching England sort of everywhere they went for a, a number of years but that's obviously been curtailed in the last few years and the sort of results and the performances were sort of part of the reason behind that. It wasn't just sort of settling down and getting older. And you you hear the players from that era talking now, the Ferdinands, Lampards, how they couldn't put their club rivalries aside when they when they actually met up on England duty. And that's what it looked like from the from the fans. Like I, said, I went to Moscow 11 years ago in 2007 and we lost 2-1 and there's 3,000 England fans there singing the whole game and not one player came over at the end of the game to clap the fans. I think... Bloody hell, we've come a long way. We've all spent a lot of money here. It's bad enough if Ipswich don't do it when you're at sort of a northern game away, let alone in Moscow when you've got visas and huge expense to get there. But there, there seemed a real good spirit and hopefully, like I say, fingers crossed that continues. Yeah, um, looks looks good for the Euros going forward anyway. Um, we haven't spoken to you since, so we'll do a little bit on Adam Webster. Um, so he left, um, oh, I guess... 
two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Um, 3.5 million um, guarantee with a potential upside of 8 million if he hits all the targets in the contract. Um, just give me a bit on the player, the fee, the timing and the, the impact that that domino going down may have had on on other things. Well, my, my first reaction was disappointment because he's a player that I really rate and I don't, I don't think we ever got to see the best of. There were times when he was really starting to look good and he picked up an injury and once he came back, it then took him a little while to get going again. But at his best, when, when, we, when we saw him playing well, he really was an outstanding, outstanding defender and good on the ball and he sounded exactly the sort of player that Paul Hurst would want. But we're, we're never going to see that. I can understand why the club have sold him, why both Hurst and Evans agreed to deal. Three and a half million is decent money for what is a, effectively an injury-prone centre-half who hasn't put together more than 20 games in a season for us. So if if you can get a more sort of a player who is going to be fit, who is going to play more, he might not be of the same level, but ultimately what will Ipswich do without Adam Webster? Well, we've been, we've been doing it for the last sort of year or two, but... I do feel he is a player that if he puts a full season together, he could be worth treble what we've sold him for. But mm. we'd have to hope he is, and we can cash in on the on the sort of performance-related pay, performance bonuses, and the any sell-on fee if he if he can put it together at Bristol City. Well, you're right. If if he doesn't put it together, then they've cashed it in at the right time. And if he does, then we'll. I, I know you're saying the fee could be way way higher, but we'll still collect some money I think a lot of the sense from the fans was that the lesser of three evils Waghorn Webster or Bart I think the one that most people would have sold got sold yeah I personally I wouldn't have like I'm really glad that Bart has stayed but I'm not actually I wasn't actually that worried about him staying in that I think he's earned the opportunity to move to a bigger club and if a premiership club was going to come into him I, I don't think I'd have wanted to stand in his way and he sort of earned the move where Webster hasn't really earned the move yet. And I'd have, I felt there's more to see from him, but when it was, but Bart linked with Birmingham, that was a bit, oh God, if he ends up going there, that would be ridiculous. But this was, this was, agent, it's all worked out. This was agent stuff though, wasn't it? To just to bring the contract to, to a close. Don't you think? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's probably an element of that, that, it's probably an element of agents, but Birmingham were put that well, the club have said we have rejected bids for Bart, which you can only presume was the Birmingham bid. So they did have a sort of three million pounds or thereabouts sitting and on the Joe, table they, ready they to pay. Take. Well, they pay well as well. Um, the guy from Brentford, um, Jota, he's mm. on a very high wage for, for championship there. Well, so. David, David Stockdale is there as well, isn't he? And I've heard he's on sort of the he left Brighton after they've been promoted to go there and. I don't think Brighton wanted him to go. So he, he's got to be on 30, 40 grand a week, which is a hell of a lot more than anyone at Ipswich is going to be earning. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, right, this is one where people will be really interested to get your thoughts. Um, so Dylan Crow has now been linked with this whole list of um, Champions League clubs, basically. Um, a couple of weeks ago as well, I think like the day before or the day after Webster went, um, Ben Knight, went off to Man City. Um, a lot of people up in arms. Um, oh, you develop a player and he gets pinched from you. Can you explain to people what the rules are? Um, are they right to be pissed off? Um, and could Ipswich have acted in any different way or are the rules against them? 
Um, I, I don't think the rules are against Ipswich so much as they are just in, just generally in football. It is a case that if a big club comes along and wants one of your players, whether they're a first team or a, or a youth team player, you have you and the player wants to go, there's very little you can do to stop them. Like, like obviously Man City have taken Ben Knight from us, but Man City have also lost Bobby Duncan, who was an England under-17 striker who's got a hat-trick against Brazil recently. They lose him to Liverpool. Liverpool have lost a player there. Spurs lose a player to PSV. Nottingham Forest lose a player to RB Leipzig. It's, players will, will move at a young age, and it's just a case of making sure you get the sort of best fee that you can for them. Um, we've we'd done all we can to help Ben Knight. I'm sure he had more investment than any player probably in the history of the academy in him from from what I hear with regards to nutritionists and personal trainers and and everything we can do for him. But ultimately, the club have to try and keep the player happy. And we, we did do that for as, for as long as we could. But now, that, that offer from Man City, which has probably been four or five years in, in the making, they've, they've been after him. It's got to a stage where it's it's too good for the parents to turn down, too good for the player to turn down, and the club may have wanted to turn it down. But ultimately, what you can't keep an unhappy player here. There's also the the complication now that a lot of young boys are going abroad. So not only do you lose the fee, you still lose the player. But they're they're happy to go to places. There was talk of Monaco after Ben Knight, and had he gone there, we would have got next to nothing for him. So the club has to play the game, but ultimately the players have the power. Why why were people so annoyed and what are what is Ben Knight's chance of even playing a first team game for Man City? Well well ultimately probably at the moment playing a first team game for Man City for any youth players is a very slim chance, but he is probably one of the most, probably one of the two or three highly rated player in his age group. He is every every club in the world would have been would have been aware of him and his talents and and the way he plays and without sort of trying to sound over the top when you when you watch him play the player you compare him to is Lionel Messi I'm I'm not saying he's anywhere near in that class or will go on to have anywhere near the career Messi has but just just the style of play as that little diminutive left-footed player pace on the ball accelerates when he when he gets the ball and drifts past men easily great range of passing can go on both both feet and shoot and he is a a fantastic prospect and ultimately it's a shame we won't ever get to see him playing the first team at Ipswich but He's, he's he's got as good a chance as anyone in that academy to make it through. And just uh, the other part of the question: Why were why were people so up in arms? Is it perhaps a little bit of a lack of understanding of um, what's actually gone into it and how the hands are tied? Um, I, I don't I don't think it's that. I think it's it is generally annoying to lose a player before you before you've seen the best of them. And people generally only look at look at things sort of from. From an Ipswich perspective, when the players leave, oh, we're, we're losing Ben Knight to Man City. Marcello Florence has been linked with Arsenal. But on the flip side, we take players from below us in the in the pyramid. We took a boy from Grays last season, Kai, Kai Brown, who was playing for their first team, played 30 games for their first team last year. And he's come to Ipswich and all we've given back is a pre-season friendly for, their, for our under-23s to go and play their first team. And whilst it's obviously a different level and people will make excuses. Greys cannot hold on to a player when sort of championship clubs are sniffing around them in the same way that Ipswich can't ho- keep hold of a player when Champions League clubs are sniffing around them. It's you just have to you just have to try your best to keep them happy, but but once they aren't happy and once they want to go, they're going to go. And as if by magic the perfect segue, um <clears throat> a player who plays a level below um 
Ipswich is Guion Edwards, um, Peterborough winger. Um, according to Twitter happy Dara McAntony, who's quite quite a good laugh on there. Um, the deal's virtually done. They've said their goodbyes. Seven hundred thousand. Um, and I suppose it goes into what you're saying that for every Ipswich player that gets pinched by club above them there's a Peterborough player that Ipswich can pinch um what do you think about this um signing if and when it goes through pacey dribbler um youngish hungryish um reminds me of signing Jermaine Wright and John McGreal and people like people like that yeah I, I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of him Bar highlight reels and any highlight reel of a winger is generally generally going to look quite good because it shows you when they're beating their man. Salinas, yeah, yeah, smash, smashing goals in, putting brilliant crosses in. But from sort of what I've read from the Peterborough fans on Twitter and on their forums, a lot of them rated him as their best player last season. And that's bearing in mind you've got Jack Marritt there who scored 30 goals and is going to be sort of linked with six million pound moves. And a lot of them are more gutted about losing Edwards than they will be about losing Marriott. So. That's obviously a really promising sign. Also, couple that with the fact that Paul Hurst has played against him probably what four times over the last two seasons and possibly more if they've met in cups. I don't know if they have. So he knows this player very well. He's obviously caused the Shrewsbury side problems over the last couple of years. So I'm sort of really pleased that this one is getting over the line and looking forward to see what Hurst can, can do with him. Absolutely. Um, right, that's enough of the script, um, Joe. I put the call out for questions and I'm going to open Pandora's shit box here because there's a lot of questions. So we'll try and get through all of them. Um, these are all on Twitter. If you want to get questions in, follow at Blue Monday ITFC. We'll always put tweet out and try and read as many as possible possible first come first so um this is harvey joe says what do you make of marcus evans becoming more public with his speaking now webster transfer and bart you think this will become a regular thing well, it seems to be becoming a regular thing since his interview he obviously as the as harvey said webster and bart and that, that did surprise me that the bart story was evans's comments on it not paul hurst and I'm pleased to see Evans getting more involved because I think it was long overdue with the interview. Um, too often we're the senior voices, either was the previous manager who acted as a lightning rod for all criticism or Ian Milne who just said, that's Marcus's department, I don't, I can't <laughs> deal, deal with that to do. So sometimes it's nice to hear from the organ grinder rather than the monkey. I, I, I'm sorry, I love Ian Milne. I think you could you could you could give Ian Milne the most unassailable position in an argument, and he still wouldn't lose, would he? He'd he'd just go, oh, well, well, you know, he'd, he'd talk his way around it somehow. Bless him. Um, this is George. What formation do you want to see Ipswich play under Hurst? Um, well, I, I personally always like just the four-two-three-one, which is a sort of general formation. I think that gives you the the right balance of players in the right positions, as long as you can get the two at the back actually getting up and down the pitch but it's it sounds as though it's going to be more of a 4-1-4-1 than that but across between a 4-1-4-1 4-2-3-1 but ultimately that 4-4-2 they're all much the same it's, it's just they're about very the close. roles in, yeah they're very close aren't yeah. they? that's the good thing about the 4-2-3-1 you um you shoved the um the two wide players forward and it's 4-3-3 you drop the 10 back and it's or, or you know it's very close to 4-4-2 you know it's it's yeah. it's all much of a muchness isn't it but um 
yeah, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting. Um, this is Scott. Um, do you think we can attract Mbappe this summer? You could probably answer that in one in one word, Joe. No. No. Um, this is Casanova Crow. What areas do you think we still need to sort out? You said four or five players earlier in the pod. Um, and speculate who is surplus to requirements after Hurst's comments. So where do we need to sort out, and who's who's in trouble here? Okay, I think the first area we need to sort out is two two centre backs. We've we've only really got one at the moment in Luke Chambers. Trevor Shalabar can play there, but I don't know whether he's going to be trusted to play a centre back. And I don't think you can go into the season expecting a 18 year old who's never played a senior game to be able to play week in week out in the championship. So I'd say two centre backs. I think you need Joe, a, are you another. Not having, sorry to cut you off. Are you not having Nudson or Spence as a centre back? No, because I think they're needed in the full back positions. I think would leave would be too weak if we left those if we left those empty effectively. If if you had at right back Josh Emmanuel and Barry Cotter, neither of them I don't think will convince me that they're going to be ready to start. And at left back just Miles Kenlock. I don't think you can. I think you're going to need eight defenders to cover to cover the positions over the season and. We're not anywhere close to that at the moment. I also am not convinced that Spence and Emmanuel are good enough at right back or Barry Cotter. So, but I think that would need to be a case of one one out, one in there. I think we need another striker because we've only got effectively Waghorn and Garner. Sears potentially, but he, he may play wide. Ideally, an experienced head in the centre midfield. I know we've got a lot of numbers there, but have we got any players that can put together a full season and at least another wide player? Wow. And, an, and a third and a third choice keeper. <laughs> um, who's who's going to be who's going to be in trouble? Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Whether you want to protect yourself whilst online or just get access to more streaming content, NordVPN has the solution for you. And are now in partnership with us here at Blue Monday. NordVPN can be your cyber bodyguard whilst you're browsing online, but it also allows you to access more streaming content from abroad like sporting events, box sets or films. With one click of a button, NordVPN can digitally transport you to the US, Australia or Amsterdam. For the price of an ITFC match program each month, you can subscribe to NordVPN and have access to these great services. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, head to nordvpn.com slash bluemonday or click the link in the podcast description. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so get yourself a great deal and support the podcast in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, potentially Jordan Spence. I, I don't think he's... I, I don't I don't mind him, but I think he struggles quite often when he when he gets on the ball and if he's got to play out from the back. I'm, I'm not sure he'll be capable of doing that in her system. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Josh Emmanuel or Miles Kenlock go out on loan again because I, I don't think either of them are going to be... Especially Miles I don't think he's going to be cut out for a system where you've got to be super fit because he just doesn't ever look it to me. Um, I, I, 
people talk about chambers and scoots, but I think both of those will be good enough to adapt to it. And then there's just the potential of either Grant Ward or Freddie Sears don't find a don't find themselves a role within within her system. Are, the, are either of them good enough out wide to score enough goals from there? Possibly. Are either of them good enough in central midfield or up front? No, I'd say. And then there's also the talk about Joe Garner trying to get closer to home, but uh, so they're they're the ones I'd be concerned about mm. leaving. Interesting. This is Dylan. What do you think about interest in Spence from Hull? Uh, can't remember where where I read it. And um, would you prefer Garner or Sears alongside Waghorn? Well, from what you say, no one's going to be alongside anyone up front. And uh, at Braintree, Waghorn <laughs> was in the ten position, which we shouldn't be too alarmed about because Vidra top scored the whole championship from Derby playing ten in a four two three one. It's just whether that's a waste of Waghorn, and also you stick Garner up there, and how different is this going to be to? Um, to a lot of a lot of last season. Anyway, Spence interest from from Hull. I'd, I'd be surprised if he got another club in the Championship. Personally, I think if he would if he were to go, he'd end up lower down the leagues. And um, if it was a two, I don't think it's going to be a front two. Um, Garner or Sears alongside Waghorn. I'd, I'd probably say neither. Really, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think Garner Garner and Waghorn were a very particularly effective partnership I don't I don't think they work together because I think they both want to play in each other's space and I'm not really convinced that Freddie Sears is cut out to be a striker at this level I don't think he's got enough to his game um, Ian what position do you think we need to fill I think you've answered that one Justin Crane is Bobby Robson more than a manager the best film of the year and worthy of an Oscar well I don't think it's going to win an Oscar but have you seen it Joe I have seen it yeah it was very good Yep, fantastic. I um, I'm gonna I, I saw a press screening of it a month before anybody else, and then wasn't allowed to say anything about it, which is one of the most pointless exercises um, you'll see. Uh, how long do you think it will take Paul Hurst to get the squad playing in his image? I think I think it's going to take most of most of this season, is because he's this transfer window is so short with the World Cup going like that, and he's going to have this, and then January there's traditionally not much value, and we don't do much value there. So I think it could easily be getting towards sort of the end of the season going into going into the following one where we can really have his squad sorted out we're not in league one we're not in league one like Strasbourg where you can't just chop and change your whole squad because the players are on too much money and are too secured contracts uh nick i'm curious about how the defense will line up so are you joe by the sounds of it thoughts on another striker would be interesting it'd be nice to see answers to those issues which i'm aware you don't have um it's going to be a back four and Chambers is definitely going to play. Um, we're not sure whether, like you say, Chalabar is going to be a uh, holding midfielder. I think I'm a bit higher on Kenlock than you are, um, Joe. Mm. I think I think I'd give him the I'd give him the go. It just depends whether um, you know whether Nudson actually actually stays or whether he's whether he's wanting to go. What, what's the back four in the first game then? Um, assuming Nudson stays, it would be, well, I suppose Jordan Spencer right back, Luke Chambers centre back alongside a new signing with Jonas Nudson left back. Mm. Unless, yeah, unless Nudson's. So, what, what, what um, transfer fee do you reckon, having just been on TV in a World Cup second phase game, could Nudson, um, Nudson attract? Are we talking you, seven got, figures? Oh, easily, I'd say. You, you can't expect him to be up sort of two and a half to three million somewhere in that range because otherwise 
what's the, what's the point of selling him? And he, he's obviously got a much bigger market to go to because he's going to be willing and to go to Germany or Poland or these sort these sort of countries because he's he's proven that he'll he'll leave his country to go and go and play. So we're not just looking at a small market like we are sometimes of English players. We've we've got the English market and also the European market. Interesting. Um, Adam Flat, any players whose futures currently hang in the balance? I think you said possibly Ward and Sears. Yeah, I'd say so. Th- those two for me. I'm, I, I think Grant Ward could either have a really good season or just be bombed yeah, out. This, I, I, don't, this seems, I don't think there's anything in the middle with him. Seems to be a big wasted opportunity with Ward. I think there's a really good player there. And um, mm. so I always bring up the Leeds game last last season away when we played 4-4-2 and he's stretching the hell out of them and you think you know this guy this guy if he actually gets some games and he was I think he was the one guy that kind of spoke out against the previous manager said well I don't really know whether I'm coming or going I'm here one week here the here the next week I think I think the poor guy just needs some clear simple instructions and a run of games doesn't he yeah, and I think he was probably the one player last year who could be the most up, upset with the previous manager with regards to not getting games when he deserved them. I say there were games where I know it's only the sponsors picking, but he he's man of the match and he wasn't supposed to be playing in that game because someone someone got injured on the day of the game. And he comes in, he's man of the match. Next game, he's on the bench. Next game, he comes in and does well. Next game, he's on the bench. And he, he really seemed to be the easy casualty. I, I, I don't know why, but he was always a player that sort of, always made way, which I didn't think was fair quite often last year. And I, re- I really hope he can get a good run out in one of those wide spots where he doesn't have to worry about defending. He can concentrate on trying to get into the box, trying to score goals, because we've all seen he's got he's got a good strike on him. He's He's got a great engine on him. He's, he's fast. He, he works hard and he, he can score goals. So hopefully he is the answer to one of our wing problems. And one-on-one, he can accelerate. If you look at the assist he got for... Waghorn's first goal against Millwall against championship defenders um, he can if, if he's given the chance and given the ball to his feet one on one which obviously didn't happen very much last season I think he I think he can get past them um, this is also Adam um, who do you think Paul Hurst was referring to when he said <laughs> but at the same time there are principles and basics that the players know uh, we're after that weren't delivered today and certainly going forward we won't accept yeah, without seeing the game, it's it's difficult to know on that one. But this is we're I'm, talking about um, passing defeat, are we? I'd, I'd imagine passing defeat and wanting the ball at your feet and being comfortable to take it. It's, it's very noticeable when Andre Dazelle plays, when Flynn Downs plays, when Tristan Nyden play, that they want the ball and they're happy to take it. If they've got two men around them, they trust their touch, they trust their ability to get the ball and, and do something simple with it. Not. I'm not talking about giving them the ball and expecting them to beat five men, but they'll get the ball, they'll take it, and they'll they'll use it. And you you watch the World Cup, you watch the top sides. The only way you cut through teams with passing is to be able to take the ball in uncomfortable positions and and move it quickly into better positions. If you want to take a touch and you want to look inside and you want to have a look round, and you won't ask for the ball unless you've got that, then you're not going to get anywhere playing pass in football. And quite often last year when we did pass it a bit more. We, we didn't look threatening. We almost looked more a bigger threat to ourselves than we did the opposition because we were worried about losing the ball and it would go along the back four for a bit and then all of a sudden it would be hooked clear because we were under pressure. We were never putting them under pressure. In the glorious game against Reading, the 4-0 at the end of last season, I remember sitting there thinking at half-time, the two players that aren't coping with this very well, it was Knudsen and Spence. Um, I know Spence ended up getting... 
got goal and an assist in that game, didn't he? Mm. He was he was in all the all the dream teams that week. But I remember thinking it was those two. Although I think you mentioned it earlier, I think in four two three one land, nine nine times out of ten, the slightly more defensive uh, inferior team, the fullbacks are the ones that get the most touches in in these games, aren't they? In those systems, so I could be I could possibly be be um be wrong about that. This is Dennis. Which of the uh, a similar question here? Um, which of the senior members of the squad should fear their place um, is most under threat? Skews jumps out at first glance, but where do you see Grant Ward fitting? And I think we've done that. Talk to me about Skews. He's, as Dave would say, he's fit as a butcher's dog. He's going to start 35 games next season, isn't he? I'd, I'd imagine so. I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't. I know there's always a talk of, I think people associate both Luke Chambers and Cole Skews as the proper blokes of the previous manager, but. I think I think they're just good guys that are good in the dressing room and good good enough at this level. I think Skews the last few games of the season when Brian Klug was in charge with Gerard Nash, he he looked a lot more not of a threat, but he was happy to take the ball. He was happy to drive forward with the ball and get get forward and pick it up and showed he had a lot more to his game than the role that he'd obviously been instructed to play, which was to sit at the back and try and make interceptions and give the ball very simply. But it's just trying to bring out the best in him because I think there is a as a better player than we've seen in there and I and I think he's done a good enough job anyway for us. I think he's going to have to recalibrate quite a lot, Skews. I remember at the yeah <coughs> the Forest game, Joe, the yeah. first one under Klug. I remember him just looking kind of a bit bewildered that he was getting the ball, giving it really quickly, short, and holding his position, and it was a bit of a sense of well, you you, you can have it back. Do you know what I mean? And um, I I I found him. I thought he was a bit befuddled by all of it, and he looked a bit. I, I don't know what I'm doing here for that first game, but um, I, I, I think you're right. He's he's smart enough and been a pro at this level long enough to probably. And, and it was a couple of games actually. I think Derby away and Cardiff away, where he did. You talked about four-one-four-one. He had a lovely old time sitting on his own in front of the back four as well. So, do you think we might see that? Potentially. I'd... I think I think that's the role that suits him better. But Hurst may want someone a bit, bit more athletic in there. Uh, if Shalabar could play that role, he, he may want him to play that in a similar way that to Ben Gibson did on loan from not, sorry, sorry Ben Godfrey did on loan from Norwich last year, where he not only could sort of go sideline to sideline and, and cover that way, but he also when he could get on the ball could break the lines and run forward with it. So excuse may be seen as one of the sort of higher players up. And, you, yeah, you've just made a really good point that in Hurst's 4-2-3-1, it's not a deep line playmaker. The playmaker is the, the number 10. And you're right that Godfrey was sort of more box to box and they wanted to... It was um, Naylor in... Nolan. John no, Nolan. Nolan in yeah. the 10 position who was... That was the, the guy who was going to do the playmaker. Hopefully that'll be Andre Giselle. Uh Tim... Are you going to do that all season with Naridge Jack? I don't know what that means, Tim. Uh, we'll probably do a podcast with Norwich Jack, um, but I think you might have got some more take correct there. Send me a DM, Tim, and I'll answer that one properly. But we will see Norwich Jack, Jack Reeve, wonderful Jack, um, probably at, well, probably before, but quite shortly actually, September the second, the first game. Um, ITFC Nederland. Uh, what do you guys? Who do you guys think? are going to be the victims of the new regime. I think everyone's interested in this. Are we going to see a lot less Chambo and Skews? Well, talk to me about talk to me about Chambers then. Um, we've, we've done Skews. 
Well, ultimately, we've only got one <laughs> one senior defender on the books at the moment. It's Luke Chambers. He's the captain. Even if they wanted to get rid of Chambers, they're not going to be able to. So we just have to hope that he buys into the new manager's thinking, which which I think he will. By all accounts, he's a, he's a very good pro and a very good bloke. And I, th- I think I think he'll do fine for us. I think his his ability on the ball improved by playing right back for those years where it looked it looked a struggle from there. And I never particularly liked him in that role, but. When he moved back to centre back, he's a lot more comfortable on it, probably because of that experience. So, hopefully, they find him a good partner to play alongside, and he carries on where he left off at the end of last season. And apart from not, not being injured, I mean, before that, every championship team has a bruising centre half who kicks and clear, every single one. And most of the top appearance makers in the championship were the burly centre half of the so I think I think there's there's always a always a job for him there. I think he's gonna be fine. Um Dan Greystone, um is Jordan Rhodes on the shit list? Can I take this one, Joe? <laughs> yes. Um Jordan Rhodes before was um kind of gazumped by Roy Keane and Roy Keane would always take his place. But I think given his recent um loan move and propensity to go yeah, and open his eyes really widely. I, th- I think should we put Jordan Rose on the shit list, Joe? I think I think we should, don't you? I, th- I think he has to be, really. <laughs> I think he does. Um, he's definitely going to score, isn't he, at Portman Road? Oh, I, re- I really hope not. <laughs> it's gonna, it'll be a horrible goal as well, won't it? It, will, it won't be like some superlative Klinsman-style header. It will ricochet in off his thigh or something yeah like I, I i just don't understand the sort of reasoning norwich have made that signing really I, it doesn't it doesn't seem the the right player for their system where they seem to create very few chances when he's a player that doesn't really get involved in the game it's just a finisher they've done all this work to try and get their wage bill down get all the high earners off it and then by all accounts they're paying nearly the whole load of jordan's 40 grand a week that he was on at sheffield wednesday so it seems a baffling decision but I think Hopefully they've looked, works Joe, out terribly for them. I think they've looked and none of their forwards got above 10 goals last year and they're like, oh, we need a proven forward. But you're right, if you're not creating any chances or the one guy who um, was creating your chances has gone up the M1 and is at Leicester now, then, um, well. Uh, yep. This is Harry. Do you guys share my love for Bartos Bielkowski? I don't know how much you love um, Bartos, Harry, so... Um, I'm a fan, Joe. Yeah, big fan. I, I was sort of discussing with people earlier whether he's the best goalkeeper to play for Ipswich Town earlier. So is he better than Richard Wright? Well, I think it, I think he's getting that way, isn't he? I, Richard Wright was obviously brilliant for a long period of time, but his, his second spell had one good season, struggled after that, and obviously he made he came through and was so young, so it's hard to judge his early performances against the sort of latter ones because. He was still learning, but I think Bart has put together three player of the season campaigns. If he can put together a, another sort of 18 months of this quality of football, I think he's really going to be pushing him. I think Graham Blackburn said um, that he had him up with Cooper as well. I can't I can't speak on Cooper because I never saw him play, but I always I always think you can judge by the level the level that they played at, and obviously Cooper played at the highest level for the longest and won the most. So um, this is Peter Carr, um, Joe. Now that we've sorted out Bart's contract and signed a couple of wingers, which area of the pitch should Hurst look to strengthen? Yeah, I know you've mentioned. Give me, give me one area. What's the most vital? Centre back. Centre back. Um, this is Noel. 
Anyone got an uneasy feeling about the coming season? Signings so far a bit underwhelming, with the possible exception of Shalabar. Very poor first friendly. Oh, and I have a leak in my swimming pool. Uh, Noel, do you seriously have a swimming pool? If so, can you lend me a fiver? Um, can you can you understand someone having an uneasy feeling, Joe? Yeah, I can, I can do. When you when you look at the um, obviously we've heard a lot of positive things out of the club. Everyone's looking forward to the pool Hurst Hurst rain. But ultimately, you look at the squad that we've currently got in place, and it's it's very it's very weak at the moment. It's it's very short. You look in in every position, and like I said, I don't think like Nudson is obviously a good player and an international. But if he goes, we've got sort of no good quality fullbacks. We've got one good quality centre back. Central midfield, we've got a lot of bodies, but we have but how many of those are going to be able to stay fit? Out wide, we haven't really got anyone yet. But we've got a brilliant goalkeeper and a brilliant striker. But if anything happens to either of those two, and Paul Hurst struggles to adjust coming up to the championship and he can't he can't get the players in that he was thought he was going to get in. Yeah, I, I could see why how it could go the other way, but I'm positive and optimistic that it won't. But I, I can see why people are worrying with the season so close. Uh, this is Tim. Uh, has Paul Hurst's short range so far been more damned United than more than a manager? Um, I think he's referring to Mr. Clough going into Leeds and telling them all that they weren't as good as they thought they were. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I I don't think it's really been either yet. So. Yeah, although it might be 44. By, by, might by be, any stretch of the measures. Might be 44 days. This is Luke. Are you concerned yet about the lack of players being bought in, transfer window closes in just three weeks? Um, yes. Sort of, to be brutally honest, we said how he did all his business early at Shrewsbury last year and was... Sort of keen to get them on pre-season because he feels their fitness regime is tougher than any any other clubs. He said they got boys in from Premier League clubs and they couldn't they couldn't even keep up with it. And it took them they almost had to give new signings and mini pre-seasons to get them going. If we're if we're in that position, which it looks like we're starting to be, and then yeah, it's, it's a struggle. How much of that is tied to Hurst being appointed late due to the playoff final? How much is it of him not being able to get deals done because him and Evans aren't meeting on valuations? But Ultimately, we need, we need to get these players in and we need to get them in soon. Uh, this is Graham. Uh, with the veil of doom and gloom removed after the previous management regime left the club, would supporters accept another mid-table finish, but with us playing a more entertaining modern style of football? Hashtag no hoofing. Similar position, but um, better football. I think if, if any fan's going to be disappointed with that, then their expectations are very out of kilter with with the club because if if we can if we can finish 12th again and make progression on the football then I think that's that's going to be a brilliant season so I think like if it, any anything more than that is going to be unbelievable so hopefully that is what happens um which chimes into the next question uh, James Gulks realistically what are your predictions for the season final league position I'm I'm somewhere between winning the playoffs and second position at the moment. <laughs> but seriously, um, you, you think? Do you think we can finish in the top half? I think I think we can. Yeah, we we finished there last year with missing all our sort of good quality central midfield players for the whole year. There's there's no reason why we can't. But ultimately, you can you can finish 11th or 14th and have a very similar season. So. It, it, it doesn't really matter. I'd, I'd like to think we can sort of stay on the sort of coattails of the top six, but I think that would be a, I think that would be a big ask. Uh, this is Barry. You've been called in by Hurst. 
He's seen stroke heard your pods and loves your work. So he asked you for your opinion on one must-buy player. Who would you suggest? Do they have to be realistic? <laughs> <laughs> answer, answer it however you want. Um, I'm just trying to have a think about it. If we, I say, just one of those sort of good ball playing centre half. I hate to say it, another good ball playing centre half for eight hundred grand would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, maybe get see if Trevor can have a word of his brother and bring him down from Watford for eight hundred thousand. Mm, yeah. Um, this is Mullet. How do the senior players react to Paul Hurst's praise of Nidham and Dazelle and contrast contrasting criticism of them following Braintree? Does this promote an us and them? I think this goes back to the um, uh, damned United question. Um, and us and them to weed out more players like Webster who want out or belie a manager punching up to assert his authority. Is he kind of pushing towards these young players? Did you see what Mullet's saying? Yeah, I, I, I understand the point being made there that maybe Hurst is sort of seeing more in the youngsters than he is in the, in the senior players at the moment with, with regards to the style that he wants to see, which wouldn't surprise you when, when you see how these players have played, how, how confident they are, how they are asked to play when they go away with England, that the senior players have realistically have had, have had five years of sort of being told to play a style of football that they are now having their muscle memory that they need to sort out. It's... Hurst obviously has a sort of difficult line to walk between getting them wanting to prove him wrong and pissing him off effectively. And hopefully it is, he, he knows what he's doing. He's obviously a very smart man, smart manager who's got a lot of experience under his belt, but Joe, he's had quite he probably quick, hasn't managed. He's had quite quick impacts at, at his other clubs where he's gone, hasn't he? Yep. But he also hasn't had to manage players earning six, seven hundred thousand pounds a year and who are comfortable, who probably have more power than the manager at, at certain points. But he's, he's got to get them on side quickly. I, I don't think he's saying anything publicly that he wouldn't say privately. And I think the players seem a good bunch in that crowd. We've always we've always heard they're a good bunch that Luke Chambers leads that dressing room well. And I think that they'll take the comments in the spirit that it's intended and try and sort of come with him. So, Crawley tomorrow... Barnet, then Milton Keynes, then West Ham, and then then we're back Blackburn on um, August the fourth. You know what it's like though. Season starts and you're like, oh, he's going to get him really fit. We're going to surprise everyone. Playoffs. Everyone's optimistic at the start of the season, aren't they? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, if, if you're not optimistic at this time of the year, then sort of being a football fan might not be for you. You can always <laughs> look and. Try and be realistic and think, yeah, there are some some areas where things look a bit dodgy, but then you always have that moment, yeah. But what what if it really what if it really happens and really works? And hope, hopefully that is the case. Hopefully Hurst gets them fit and gets them playing and works on it, and we we hit that hit the ground running at the start of the season. Great stuff, exactly like we did at the start of last season, but maybe with a bit more of a, a long-term um, outlook on it, let's just say. Um, Joe, where can we find you on Twitter? Um, just at Joe Fares. So follow Joe on Twitter. Um, we've been chatting, all us podcasters, and I think we've virtually got everything figured out. So the plan next season, we're probably, and tell us what you think of this, we're probably going to go up to a three-man team each podcast. Um, myself, Joe, Mikey, Dave, and Statman. So... Um, 
it won't always be just um, Dave and I. Um, I hope that doesn't irritate anybody, but it's quite an undertaking every week, three shows a week. So we've bought in, we haven't bought in bodies, Joe. We've bought in quality, haven't we? Yeah. Like you, like you were suggesting. So that's going to be the idea with the podcast. We've got um, some, we've got some preview shows possibly coming up before the um, main start um, the week before August the 4th and then I think this week in ITFC history is going to be starting at the back end of August so by the time we get into September we should be banging them out three shows per week for you Um, but do give us your feedback on everything at Blue Monday ITFC Uh, follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Fairs at David Diamond 3 at Mikey underscore Smith at Chompex 3 Follow all of these people at Ips Rich, uh, Facebook, Twitter for us. And um, Joe, do you want to have the last word? No. No. Um, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, as Mikey would say. What would Dave say? Crap. What would that say? Easy. We need to work on our catchphrases. And we will see you very soon. Goodbye, Joe. Goodbye. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.